one of the pastors that had a lot of impact on me as I was coming up over the past nine years is a man by the name of Greg Porterfield. He's the uh, pastor at Wesley United Methodist Church in Evans, Georgia. And I think what amazed me most about him is his demeanor. Because he has cancer, and he's had cancer for a long time, and he's had many treatments. But every time I saw him, he would always smile, even on the days that you could tell that he was weak and not feeling good. And he had this ability to just stand in a pulpit and just carry on a conversation. I thought he was amazing, and I, and I still do today. And I say that because I spent those years learning new things. And I want to point out that we've spent some time learning some new things and still learning some new things. And learning new things is not always easy. We make a lot of mistakes in the process. But you make those mistakes and you perfect them along the way. So I want to say thank you to everyone who has been willing to do something new and make a mistake because mistakes are okay we learn from them and thank you for continuing to come back as we make these mistakes as, as we progress forward and one of the things that is new to me is the book that i'm going to be speaking out of today it's the book of revelation and i've always said that i want to stay away from that book because it's so symbolic and every time I turn around, somebody has a, a different meaning for what it's saying. Growing up, you hear all these horror stories about the end times. And every generation has a story of their own about how the end was coming. But they never were fulfilling. If you remember in 1999, People were expecting the world to come to an end when two th the year 2000 came around. And we all went to bed and woke up the next morning and Jesus had not come back. And if you turn on the TV today or any day to any of the religious channels, chances are you're going to see a famous preacher telling you how the world's uh, events are being fulfilled or how the scripture is being fulfilled through the world's events. And we've heard these same things over and over and over and over again. And I'm here to tell you this, that, that just because Israel became a nation, and when the Bible said that, it did, said that it would, is a sign of the end times, doesn't mean that because Israel became a nation at that particular time, that that's when Jesus is coming back. Because they can lose that title again, and it can be another point in time that God intended to use that part of history as a sign of his return. But people have taken prophetic scriptures and used them to cast fear in our lives, to collect money from us, and to cause us to not worship God from love, but to worship him from fear. And that's why I stayed away from those passages of scripture. Today's passage of scripture, however, will be coming from the book of Revelation, chapter 19, verses 6 through 9. Now, if you look at your bulletin, it says chapter 16, 6 through 9, and that is my fault because I, I am really bad about transposing certain numbers, and 6s and 9s are one of those, and I got up this morning and, be, 
and opened up to that passage, I said, that is not the passage I looked at because that would have definitely been talking about God pouring out bowls of wrath on society. And that is not what I was looking at. But that goes back to, again, mistakes. We, we, we make them and we move beyond them. But this passage of Scripture has something good to say about end times and about our relationship with God. Paul was placed on an island called Patmos because he refused to stop preaching. So they put him on this island thinking that there's nobody there for him to preach to. And while he was there, he had the revelation vision. And in his vision, while he was in heaven, he said, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and the loud peals of thunder, shouting hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. These are the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Father God, as we come before you today during this part of the worship service, I just ask that you be with me. Give me guidance and hope and inspiration to speak to, to everyone here and speak to even to myself. Help us to see your mission of love and your mission of purpose for all of us gathered here today and for all in society as a whole. Take from me any desire to speak my own. Fill me with your spirit, and let every word that flows from my mouth be a word that flows from your throne. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Revelation, the book about the end of the world. Oh, my goodness. When we think about it, we think about all the dark trials that we hear about. And it didn't just start with our generation. It started in the Old Testament. And we can go all the way back to the prophet Joel when he had this to say about end times. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in earth, blood and fire and pillar and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great an awesome day of the Lord, and it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I read these words, and I read the words in the book of Revelation, and I know some of the story about Revelation. I am not a theologian. I am here to promise you I cannot decipher all these wonderful mysteries that God has put before us. But when I look to these words where other people are screaming doom and destruction, I look to these words found in the prophecies and I find hope and peace and comfort. Because I want to point out to you first here in Joel's prophecy what he had to say. Because this is what we emphasize on. We put the emphasis on that the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon will be turned into blood before that great and awesome day of the Lord. Sounds like this mighty, angry God getting ready to, to throw down vengeance on the planet and upon its people. But that's what we choose to focus on. 
But if we look to the rest of that passage, he starts out with promise and hope. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon my sons and my daughters and my men servants, my maid servants, and they'll have prophecies and, and they'll see visions. In other words, he's saying that even in the darkest of times, you have a reason to hope because I'm going to do good things for you as my children. The rest of the world, let them see the doom and gloom. Let them see the darkness. But you who are born of the blood of the Lamb should look to the light and see the light in all things. Because in the end, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Prophecies. We take from them what we want to. And I like to take from them words of hope and inspiration and words of love and words of mercy. You see, there is the promise that Christ is going to return one day. And we treat that like it's some scary event that we spend our time waiting upon with dread. But I think it's an event that we should spend our time waiting for with great expectations. You see, when John had this vision, he had been sent to an owl where he was secluded or separated from all society. And you would think that, that being separated from all your friends and your relatives and, and the rest of society would be a time of ex experience that would be awful. But he teaches us here that in those dark and difficult times, life is just as good. Because the, what he experienced on that island was not a relationship between him and his friends, or between him and his company. What he experienced on this island was an extraordinary experience of his relationship with God. He had visions of wonder and majesty of what was going to happen in heaven and what it would be like when we, the church, arrive there with Christ. And he tells us, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like the, the loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah! And I don't know about you, But there have been many times in my life when I've, when I've not just heard the thunder roll when a storm comes through, but, but that gentle roll of thunder was so quiet and so loud and powerful that it shook the very structure that I stood in. And I've been to the rivers in North Georgia where the, where the rivers go over the waterfalls and you stand in the midst of those waterfalls and, and it's a silence almost a soft, 
quiet, gentle sound of the water falling and crashing onto the rocks, but yet so powerful that it's almost deafening to the other sounds around you. And that's what he's telling us that he experienced in heaven, that when he stood in heaven, that he heard the multitude of people crying out, hallelujah, praises to God, and singing songs of worship so loud and so joyous and with such love and mercy that they reminded him of the powerful things that he had experienced on earth. Praise and honor and glory be to the Lord forever and ever. Amen. It was the beginning of the good things of God that he saw. And as he continued in his vision, he gave us a command here. He said, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. So let me give you a, a little insight into what's going on here. Uh, and, and a lot of people don't know this, and but you've probably heard it from some of the TV preachers and, or heard it some, from some of your other friends, or you may have knowledge of this, but, but we as the church are not just a people that God called together to worship. We're not just a people that God called together to, to go out in the community and perform certain tasks and live certain lives. But see, we as the church are people who are known as the bride of Christ. And Christ will be our groom. So if you're like me, you're probably thinking now or conjuring up ideas of a wedding ceremony. And when I think about those, those passages of Scripture, those, those are the things that I think of. And I think about my own wedding. You see, Christ came into this world to connect with humanity. And while he was here, he loved us with everything he had. And some of us loved him back. But before he left, he said to his disciples, I am going to prepare a place for you. If it weren't so, I would have told you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come for you again. And that's what's happening here at the, at the wedding of the Lamb. Is, is Christ is, is, is ready to come back home and gather his children and reunite us all in heaven. That is the, the preparation for the wedding of the Lamb. You see, before we got married, we, my wife and I met, and long story, I'm going to share this with you. So 
I met my wife on the internet. The, the Marines had sent me back to Athens because my father was uh, not doing well. His health was failing. So, so I left Okinawa, Japan, and, and came back to Athens, Georgia, and that is where I met my wife. We met on the internet, and the first time that I had her meet my family was on a, a Monday, Thursday. We went to a church service at Rock Springs United Methodist Church, and afterwards I took her back to my sister's house to meet her. Now, my sister had this little Dotson that named Betsy, and it would run around the house, and that dog loved everyone that it met. But when Nisa came walking up, it did not love her. It barked and it bit and it nipped at her the whole time. Couldn't even get in the house because of that little dog. But we communicated the best we could over that little dog's racket. And I left there that night, took Nisa back home, and I left there knowing that, that that was the woman that God had intended for me to marry. And I did just like any man in love did. When she went that way, I went the other way. That ain't no lie. My, my niece called me up the next day, and she said, I didn't even make it to, uh, out of the house to go to work. And my niece called up and said, Tommy, I just want you to know that that's a good woman you got, and you're going to wind up marrying her. And right after that, Nisa called up and said, I don't know what's bothering you, but if you need help, let me know. And what it was was that I was being asked to give my life to someone else. So we planned our wedding. And we invited all of our friends. And just a few weeks before the wedding, we all gathered together at the end of Spriggs Road. It's an old dirt road in, in Lawrenceville, Georgia. It's the road that I grew up on. At the end of that dirt road is a, an old white farmhouse. And if you've, if you've been over to the Parsons lately and you've seen a painting on my wall of an old white farmhouse, that's the farmhouse. And we had a big barbecue out there and all of our friends and family were there and there was food everywhere. We were celebrating life and, and celebrating the coming marriage between me and her. So when John tells us about the wedding of the Lamb, what he's talking about is this. It is the wedding of Christ to the church. And I think that when I, when I think about those things that John saw in heaven and I see what he's written here that is much like what we experience on our own for our own wedding parties. When we celebrate the lives of the two people who are about to be united together. When we bring out the best food and we bring out all of our family and friends and put them together in an area and just have a wonderful time of celebration for the goodness of of the things that are going on around us. That is what John is telling us here about the experience that he is having in heaven, that he's looking, and the anticipation is so wonderful that the people are screaming hallelujah to the Lord God Almighty, that they are so loud in heaven that, that it's a deafening silence, but it brings joy and happiness to the hearts of everyone who is gathered there. Because they know that something wonderful is about to happen. 
the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made himself ready. Christ went before us to prepare for us that home, that place, that when the hour comes, that when we hear that shout, that we will all be brought into heaven with Christ. It is the time for that wedding. The time for the old to pass away and for the new to begin. Christ looks at the church much like we look to our spouses and those who love us. It says, fine linen bright and clean was given to her to wear, her being the church. And those fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God and his holy people. You see, when we look to the people that we love, we have a tendency to, to overlook their, their failures or, or their bad habits. And I know that that's what happens with me, with, with my wife. I know that, that I'm not perfect in any form or fashion, that, but yet she tells me every day that she loves me and, and she shows that love with me, to me with her acts of kindness toward me. And that's what Christ has done for us. He has said to us that your sins have been cast as far as the east is from the west. Meaning that, that he's forgotten them, that, that they're not to be remembered anymore, that, that when God looks down upon us from heaven to today, he looks through the blood of Christ. And instead of seeing all of our, our wrongs and our failures, he sees our, our goodness and our kindness. And offers his love to us. I can only imagine what it would be like that day. The day that my wedding came, I showed up at the church, and Nisa was in the back getting ready, a little small country church called Rock Springs United Methodist. And while she was getting ready, I, I went out to the cemetery to spend a few moments with my father. And then I came back in. And as the ceremony was preparing, I stood at the altar with my dress blues and I heard the music play. And when I, uh, when I looked over to my shoulder to, to look up the aisle, I didn't see my, my family and my friends 
And I didn't see the, the Marines who were sitting on the back in their dress blue uniforms with all their shiny medals and ribbons. What I saw was my wife. As she entered those doors of that chapel with her pop, there was nothing else in life more important, no more beautiful on that day than my bride. And I know that, that if that's my experience and your experience, can we imagine what Christ's experience is going to be in heaven? When he's gone before us to prepare that place, when he's seen the battles of earth between man and God and between man and man, when he looks over his shoulder and he looks to the bride and says, this is who I died for. This is who I left the kingdom of heaven for. This is who I walked with in my time on earth. And this is who I went to the cross for. So that I can look at the church in all her beauty and in all of her glory as they come home one final time. You see, they talk to us all the time about doom and gloom in the end days. And for the sinner, that may be true. But for the saint, it is a glorious reunion of man and God. And there will be a feast as Christ marries the church. You know, we talk about heaven as if it's the final resting place. But we've got to remember that there's much more afterwards. Heaven as we know it, as we talk about it, is a waiting place for what God has prepared for us next. Because after that wedding, after Christ looks back and over his shoulder from the altar and, and sees his bride to see his love, God moves toward a new creation. And this is what we as a people, as a church, and as a bride have to look forward to. John said, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth 
had passed away. Also, there were no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. And we will celebrate that the former things have passed away. And behold, all things are new. So I guess I'm saying this. Look to God for the good things that he's promised us. No matter what life looks like, use an optimistic approach to circumstance. Everybody's going to tell you the bad, but this here, John tells us that there's a lot more good than there is bad. And that just like you love your friends and your neighbors unconditionally, your Father in heaven loves you more than you could ever know. And that day is coming when the bride will be called home. And this world will be recreated into a new image that reflects God's nature and love for his people. Let us pray. Father God, as we close the service today, we thank you for the time that you've given us together today. And Father, as we go out to the, into this week, help us to remember all those kinds of acts that you've bestowed upon us and help us to remember father god that, that we're not just a creation that was created to be forgotten about but that we are a creation who was created because of your love for us and that all your sacrifices father god were made for us on our behalf that we may be reunited with you and help us to live today father god celebrating that great wedding day that when the church is called home and we stand with our bridegroom with no condemnation, but only with love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. May God our Father in Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, peace, and mercy. Amen.